Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon pondered what may be coming down the line for Everton as we await news on their appeal of a 10-point deduction. Meanwhile, Dan Ashworth is officially on gardening leave as he awaits an approach from Manchester United. Are there any real winners in this situation the longer it drags on? Plus, Manchester City take on Brentford tonight following an apology from Pep to his former player Calvin Phillips. I wonder what Simon made of that. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Well, here he is back, looking very healthy. If you're watching on Facebook and uh, YouTube. Morning. Watching live, you can see him. uh, Looking more healthy than any man deserves to be. So how was España? Very nice. Very good. Went for one of my friend's birthdays. Big do on Saturday night at the oh, restaurant right um, got started one of my uh, uh, one of my former colleagues in the mobile phone industry made a lot of money from it is a huge Everton fan huge huge Everton fan and so we spent the evening discussing the vagaries and peculiarities of the impending outcome of Monday's fixture which I had the misfortune of watching last night because it was an absolute dreadful game of football it wasn't then great. again I guess it's needs must isn't it yeah you right know, two teams that are bereft of confidence for a variety of different reasons both trying to salvage something out of a game right that was no advertisement for the Premier League if you want my honest so opinion you, on it let me get this right you went to a beautiful part of Spain and spent most of your time talking about Everton with a mate I mean it sounds like a real hoot no 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 no. there was a, a group of interesting people there but I've known him for years right what's and, his take on and, it then? and given the fact that I got him to foot half the bill for a big evening it was even more advantageous <laughs> well done Mike um, okay so yeah. what's he thinking about it because um, it well, could he's be any time now we know the, the result of their appeal well, I think they will. I think look, the scenario as far as Everton is concerned is the damage has been done and the they've had ten points inflicted upon them. What we've got coming this week is either a rowing back from that or reinforcement of it. I don't think there's any indication that they're going to get sanctioned further in this instance for this appeal. I.e., you made an appeal, so we're going to give you a bigger punishment. So it only gets better or stays the same. The bigger concern for Everton hasn't got to be this appeal has got to be what happens next because there's more coming down the track for them. And I fail to understand how if they were to if they were to maintain the sanction or even to reduce it by two points right. and they get done again for the same offence, I thought if you were a recidivist, you got bigger 
punishments. If you are, if you go to prison for robbery and you come out, after, I'm not suggesting Everton are robbers, but I'm saying if you commit a crime, whatever the crime is, you come out of prison, you do the same crime again, you tend to get a bigger sentence. Sure. So I'm, I wouldn't be too optimistic for that. But the bottom line is, is that it can only get better for Everton this week in the short term because if they are, if the football leverage and the football pressure and all of that nonsense is brought to bear on the independent panel that must have had good reasons yeah. in their mind to award 10 points, yeah. unless they were doing it to make a point and then always going to reduce it on appeal, yeah. then, then it only even maintains the same. Everton must be doing what they should be doing, which is the 10 points is gone. We've got to win games to stay in the Premier League on the back of losing these 10 points rather than bank on some ideal of getting three or four points back. No one knows what they're going to get back. Nobody. Nobody. Not Jamie Carragher, not your mate Stefan Borson. Nobody knows what they're going to get back. <laughs> My mate Stefan Borson. Actually, um, someone close to it... Uh, is of a mind that the appeal will be sent to parties for typo checking, etc. There'll be a strict embargo. It it could be ten, it might have been ten o'clock this morning, it might be ten o'clock tomorrow yeah. morning. Anyway, we will know. Is is there a feeling? Uh, do do you share this feeling, Simon, that the fans have a right to know, um, and that employees and fans of clubs need to know when to expect these judgments? so that they're ready for it as well. I mean, this is Evertonians well, would say this is our club, so we're in a need-to-know basis as to when to not, expect okay, the when, news. When you bring a court action yeah. and you take someone to the High Court, like I did with some of the guests on Breakfast Show this morning, apparently, Ian Dowie, you wait for an outcome. You don't get to say, well, I'll tell you what, Your Honour, I want to know the outcome when I want to know it. Um, you get to go through the process. Mm. And, of course, we see this cloak-and-dagger stuff. We see the ridiculousness of, again, of Richard Masters saying, I'm not going to tell you when the uh, hearing is going to be had with Man City because it's prejudicial to do so. What about cobblers? The bottom line is is that it's reasonable to communicate. It's also reasonable to be effective in time. And if the appeal has been heard recently, which it has, yeah. and the verdict is coming out now, then that's timely. Now, if you've got a situation where no one knows when the appeal is going to be heard, no one knows when the adjudication is going to, and it's kicked into the long grass, right. that's when people should be dissentful and yeah. unhappy about it. Yeah. Well, I'm, well, I'm if not... anybody needs to know... It's the Everton fans. Well, they need to know most. Well, they do and they don't. And right? the employees well, of the club. What they know is they've got a 10-point penalty. Right. And that's what I would bank if I were an Everton fan. If I got anything back, I would consider that to be a bonus. Everton are out of the bottom three now. Their job is to get outcomes in the remaining 13 or 14 games or whatever they've got left, You know, enough to be away from the relegation. And if they get some points back, then that's a bonus. So right now, if I'm an Everton fan... I'd be sat there going, I've got a 10-point penalty, that's what I've got. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Nothing, fair no, Nothing's determining their future now. They're, 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 they're out of the bottom three. The sure. only thing that determines their future is winning games on the football field, and if they get some of those points back, that's a gimme. That's yeah. an added bonus. You would have thought last night, I mean, we'll get to this later on. There's no with, quality there, is with, there? With everything that's going on away from the field of play, those Everton players, not that I'm suggesting there was a lack of effort. Oh, there was effort. But they would have given blood, sweat, and many but tears... To get three points last night. But they night. did, but they had no quality. I mean, it doesn't help when you've got a centre forward that's got a 50-piece head. But the point is, is that, you know, <laughs> they created chances. It was a poor game. Yeah. And Palace set up in a certain way to be able to come out of that game with something. And it was two football teams bereft of confidence. And I get tired of hearing this idea because these footballers run around with big mouths telling us how much they're worth. Yet all of a sudden, they go on a bad run and they've got no confidence. Yeah. I mean, where's the substance in these guys? But the point is, is the crowd were quiet. The atmosphere was nervous. And I think Sean Dyche summed it up pretty well um, in terms of his analysis. They got a they got a point out of a game. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's probably two points lost in their mind. But notwithstanding that, they build a bit of momentum. They go into the next game and they get an outcome out of that.
Again with Everton, uh, and I'm talking about 777 Partners. Yeah. Um, it's now 158 days since the announcement that the US investment firm, the very same 777, yeah. had agreed to purchase Mashiri's majority shareholding. Uh-huh. By comparison, 51 days between the agreement and the approval of Sir Jim's investment into Manchester United. It's a minority shareholding though, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean... You know, tell us the process here, Simon. Well, the proce- Again. Well, the process is you have to look at the money and look at who's bringing the money in. And there's a lot to be said about this 777 Capital because if you look behind the scenes at where this money's coming from, I'm not even entirely sure the money that lent Everton is theirs. Yeah. I think it comes from an insurance company that's, that's underwriting some of the debts that this 777 Capital have got. There's a restructuring of their entire asset base, including the football clubs that they own, and Everton is being used to justify some of the funding that they've got on other football clubs. So if I'm an Everton fan, I'd be very worried, and I mm. think they are. Talk to the fellow that I was talking to on the weekend who by the way is a multi-multi-millionaire so knows well, what he's talking about why doesn't he weigh in? because he's sensible <laughs> he's sensible right. I mean it, you know years ago I talked to him and one of his other colleagues who's a billionaire yeah. about owning a football club and they're like well, you know we're not all mad like you Simon thanks, you know, no if, if we want to support a football club we'll buy a season ticket right Right. I mean, Richard Masters has actually spoken uh, about these perceived that'll delays. Insight, that'll be insightful. Uh, in the, the, well, he's, he's spoken in the past, not this morning, but about delays in regards to the Everton takeover and regards to uh, 777's involvement. This is what he said. Charge was made in March 23 for the uh, first Everton case. Um, the case was then eventually heard in October. Um, we did make a plea at the time to try and hear the case towards the end of the season, but... Everton argued against that and the Commission agreed with them. That's why it was heard in October. Um, and then the Independent Commission, I just made the point that so everyone understands the process that we have. Um, charging decisions like that are heard by an independent panel, which is selected from um, legal and financial experts appointed by the uh, panel chair, Murray Rosen, uh, KC. And he's responsible for populating the panel and appointing the panel. The Premier League has nothing to do with it. So the decisions that are made in respect of the charge uh, are out for the PSRs and indeed the sanction were made by an independent uh, independent panel. Independent of the Premier League, independent of the executive, the board and the clubs. So that was Masters yeah, on, t- of course, yeah. the appeal. Yeah. On, the, on the appeal. Well, given, given the fact that he, we very rarely understand what he's talking about and doesn't give us much insight, the fact that we were billing it as a 777 capital bit doesn't make a lot of difference because we probably learnt more about it from that particular insert. Yeah, I mean, we, we hear that 777 remain optimistic uh, and claims the Premier League approval could arrive this month. Well, could arrive, might arrive, when will it arrive? Well, I mean, I, I don't suspect that, that, unlike the theory that there's conspiracy theories running amok, like Masters just explained in that little bit about yeah. the processes that were involved in hearing a tribunal right. and what people don't get to hear is how uncooperative or how difficult the football clubs themselves are about the process so people, all people get to hear is well why is it taking so long well look internally and maybe the machinations of your own football club as to the reasons why it takes longer to deal with an appeal then going on to the 777 capital situation this is a challenging one because Mashiri is the person that's selling the football club He's the one that wants away from it. He doesn't care really, despite his protestations about wanting to hand it over to the best stalwarts for the club going forward. He's done his commercial deal. Off he goes into the sunset. It then becomes about the Premier League being able to make sure that every aspect of the of the takeover 
meet all of the requirements, the origin of funds, the mechanisms that are being deployed, why these people are buying the football club, what their plans are going forward, ad infinitum. And with this group of people, if you look into their background, and I did some reading of them over the weekend, just by chance, because I, I came across something, talking about how they're funding the, the debt that they put into Everton yeah, and, and, and what that's costing Everton and why that funding is in place in the first place and what it's propping up for 777 Capital in terms of their other acquisitions, Standard Liège and other football clubs that they've got. This does not look like a great transaction for Everton Football Club. It looks like a good transaction for 777 Capital, which of course it should be because they don't want to buy something that's a pup for them. Sure. But Everton have got to look at they're out of the frying pan here yeah. and they may just be in the fire. Yeah, I mean, various Evertonians getting in touch this morning saying, you know, it, it's, it leaves me far from optimistic, says Chris, um, that as soon as we know the result of the appeal that another charge uh, may hit the football club. Um well, that's. A, I, th- but, I think you but, raised an important point. Did you not say a short time ago that Everton resisted the hearing during last season? It's their fault. There are two charges in one season. Well, yeah, because it, you know they wanted to deal with it in a fashion that suited their timings and their agenda. Yeah. And now the consequences of that are is that potentially they've got another charge coming down the line. Um, again, there may be another one following that because as the, the fella Stefan Borson came in the other day and talked about and analysing because obviously got a lot of free time on his hands. He analyses the balance sheet and reads every single dot and comma on an appeal. <laughs> and projects that the balance sheet and the cost implications of Everton are look like they're going to show another loss. Now, if that's the case, yeah. then you are you are staring into the face of the potential abyss. But they can only deal with what they can deal with now. Now, if they, if they get through this season and they manage to stay in the Premier League, and if they stay with the 10-point penalty, I've always maintained, without any great degree of scientific understanding, but a principle of a gut feel, and my nose tells me that they might get a reduction of this points penalty and then get it whacked back on top again with the next sanction mm. and end up in the net same position. Yeah. If they can get out of jail and they get another sanction next season, the only argument I find flawed is the point I've just made. If you've done something wrong once, yeah. surely you're going to get the same punishment if you repeat the offence. Well, you would think and so, And you repeat Simon. the offence, it's going to get worse and worse and I worse. Don't think, I don't think you're wrong thinking about that. So at the end of the day, it could be one step forward, two back for Everton. Everton set to receive a verdict on their appeal against that 10-point deduction for this breach of uh, Premier League profit and sustainability rules. Sometime this week, maybe today, maybe very soon, maybe tomorrow, but whenever it is, We'll bring you it, uh, and we'll bring you the reaction first and fastest right here on TalkSport. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, it goes on and on. It goes on and on. The exodus of uh, individuals, whether it's a member of staff, whether it's a player, whether it's a member of a management team, from Brighton to Chelsea. Um, And now we know this is the latest one. Brighton have placed their head of recruitment, Sam Jewell, on gardening leave after he accepted an offer to join Chelsea. Potter went, Billy Reid went, Kukarea went, on and on it goes. Did you ever pinch people from other clubs or go back to the same club? Um, when you were at Palace, did you think we'll have him? And while we're at it, we'll have him, him, and him. Mm, I don't recall doing that. No, not specifically. Um, Seems to be the case here. Doesn't well, it? I mean, ultimately, very people are very good at seeing the vision when the vision has arrived somewhere else. Um, I had it done to me a few times with managers that came in were successful, and other people coveted them. And then ultimately, the consequences of that is that they tend to cover other things that you've got as well, because it's part of a team. Managers are part of a team of people that build successes, whether it's directors of football, whether it's managers, whether it's players that they've acquired, whether it's players that they've developed or been fortunate enough to be involved in the development of. So it doesn't surprise me yeah. that this goes on. 
and happens more regularly now because more often than not, those that have the money are bone idle, don't bother to doing the research, and there isn't, there isn't a needs-must mentality. Whereas with teams like Brighton, there's a needs-must mentality. Tony runs it in a certain way, and he demands that of his people. That's why the sophistication behind what people have to pay to get his people, that's why people that he's got involved with have gardening leave and can't just walk out the door and do as they want because there's a commercial thought process into a football business. Right. So all that in mind, Chelsea right. don't have any ideas of their own. So they come along and take someone else's ideas. And right now, at this moment in time, none of those ideas have been particularly good, have they? Well, it's a new role for him. Um, it's a new role for him once he gets to Chelsea. He's not going to get to Chelsea until about November, we think. Right. Um, so he's in the garden, if that's what gardening Nine leave gardening means. Leave. Uh, and, until then. But this fellow was wanted. He's wanted by a few clubs. Rangers fancied him as a technical adv- advisor mm. as well, um, but failed. And he opted to stay at Brighton. So it seems that many of the clubs are going for the same people. Well, I was. I mean, is I was, that by word of mouth? Well, yeah, and awareness, and obviously, success is obviously uh, you know has success is uh, has many fathers, isn't it? And so you see the intellectual capital behind it, and think, okay, I can utilise that in my operation because it's much more difficult to create it myself. Yeah, I'll take what's already there. Yeah, and Brighton seem to be the flavour of the month right now for other clubs in terms of Chelsea specifically taking people. But this idea, I was listening to Sky sports news and you know despite the fact you've learned very little from them every now and again you might pick up something that's worth listening to and I was listening to Carvey talk about this idea of people outside of the dugout people outside of football now being sought after by the football clubs and he certainly sort of ruminated on the scenario of there's always been ties and shirts and ties around it yeah but the difference is now is the cost implications of football are so significant the biggest problem that football clubs have got is to do the right recruitment so they're going to spend time and money on getting people that clearly have a better understanding of what recruitment should look like and are able to tailor make it to the clubs that they're going in in in, in terms of they've got they've got control over recruitment on. So if you look at say Dan Ashworth, an example to this fellow that's going to Brighton, yeah. Dan Ashworth is the flavour of the month right now. He's been afforded a lot more credit than perhaps some of his deeds warrant, but notwithstanding it, he's successful. And now people are pay, putting him are prepared to pay potentially twenty million pound compensation to get him released from a guardian leave because he's going to be responsible for recruiting probably a billion pounds of players over the next five years and X Y Z managers and bringing in a recruitment policy that enables them to be able to sell players on and manage a football club effectively. So these guys are becoming more effective if people had more diligence behind their thinking people like Tonelli wouldn't slip through the net because you'd understand the psychological profile of the player you'd get them to sign obligations upon themselves or Sandro Tonelli at Newcastle correct I'm with you so this idea that there's a next generation of important people inside football clubs is purely and simply because the asset base of football clubs has become so much more expensive Simon I wanted to ask you that on Ashworth I mean Manchester United we now know have made a formal approach to Newcastle for their sporting director Dan Ashworth um uh, after he was placed on gardening leave, as you rightly say, Simon, by Newcastle, um, it, it's thought that twenty million is is the figure that yeah. Newcastle would want to let him go. Fair play to them. But is there a winner in this? Because when you look at the predicament now of the two clubs, look at it. You look at it closely. Manchester United are somewhat backed into a corner in terms of no, you won't. Don't offer us that because it's going to take that. So, so they're out the picture for a moment. And, and Newcastle have lost his services for the t- for, for for now for the time well, being, probably for all time now. But that's the reality of football. The challenge for football is if you're a lesser club, irrespective of who owns you, you will find yourself building something that's successful, and someone else coming along and taking the endeavours of your or the fruits of your hard work. Right. So with Ashworth, um, Newcastle took him from where. Brighton. From Brighton. So they did to Brighton what's being done to them. Sure. Right? So that's the way the world works. And the challenge for them is to have the diligence, which they clearly have had, is to protect themselves from a 
perceived bigger football club just coming in, plundering and taking when it feels them, suits them, and no consequence or or, or or sort of balancing act for the club that had him. Yeah. So he's been there for 18 months or 20 months, however long he's been there for. He's been responsible for about 250, 300 million pounds of transfers, somewhere in that region, maybe a little bit less. Most of them have worked out well. He's gone to Man United. And I'm, I'm well played to Newcastle. If Newcastle can go to Man United, you want him, you got to pay for it. Right. And would you all vote for your 20 million? Damn right I would. Right. Damn straight I would. I'd make yeah. them pay every single last cent yeah. that I could possibly rinse out of them because they don't get to take my vision in the same way that maybe Newcastle had to pay compensation to Brighton. Different I mean, are skills. you amazed at the amount of money we're talking <coughs> about here for, for, for these guys? They are members yes. of staff. I know they're senior no, members of staff. But they're but not. If you're, if, if, you're, if you're following the line of what I've just said, United have bought £1.6 billion worth of players yeah. over the last 10 years. They've had a litany of managers. Their recruitment policies gone to the, to the, the dogs. Yeah. Their development of young players has gone to the dogs. They're not a great football club at, at doing things on the pitch. So at this moment in time, if they bring somebody in that costs them three or four million pound a year wages and 20 million pound compensation fee and he's responsible for the next five years of a billion pounds of a transfer fees right. X amount of wages it's worth the money it's worth the money yeah. this is what you pay interesting point from Chris Wright in South Wales Chelsea's recruitment of Brighton players and staff becoming embarrassing none of them yet proven to be a success it proves that you can take a club's personnel but you can't take their model Brighton are laughing all the way to the bank here at Chelsea's well, expense that's assuming that Chelsea are, they were the only club that were in for these players and these managers yeah. Potter was a sought after commodity Chelsea got him. He did yeah. it was a too big a job for him. Caicedo and other players and Cucurella and whoever else they've signed from Chelsea, uh, from Brighton, were wanted by other football clubs. Chelsea just had a bigger checkbook than them. Sure. So it's not as if Chelsea just suddenly decided to light upon Brighton. Other people were already looking at them. Now, I have news for you. While you were applying Factor 40 to your good self over in Spain, um, Alan Pardew was sitting in that very seat yesterday. Oh, yes. Um, he had a tilt at you because you said, regards Newcastle, Eddie Howe, yeah, the man in place now and has done a great job. But when it comes to winning the major bobbles like the Champions League, maybe Eddie won't be there to see that happen. Eddie might just be a gatekeeper uh, of the club. And Pardew called you out on your terminology. Well, I don't like the term gatekeeper. I think that's uh, not respectful to any interim Howe. manager. It's just not, <laughs> you know, it's just not a nice thing to say about somebody who's done a terrific job, in my opinion. And I think it, you know, it's always going to be a difficult year after the fantastic year they had last year and the, the Champions League campaign, which I actually commentated on and went to most of their games. And um, you know, they got found out a little bit. You know, that quality was just above them. And they're suffering. That you know they haven't been as brilliant. They're not as fluid as they was last year. There needs to be some surgery on the squad in the summer. And I think Eddie has earned the respect to to do that surgery. Alan wasn't having the word gatekeeper. Okay. No, he wasn't having it. He thought it was disrespectful. The day I worry about Alan Pardew's opinion will be a sad day for me. But the point is, is that you look at it and say, what is it then? Next question is, Alan, is he going to win the Premier League for Newcastle? Is he going to win the Champions League for Newcastle? answer that question because clearly that's going to be the blueprint for Newcastle because the Saudis didn't own the football club just to sit there and play footsie with the Premier League so if he's not going to do that Alan are you going to say will you say that he'll win the Premier League nah, probably not so what is he then he's a gatekeeper for someone that comes in you know it's not disrespectful if you listen to the entire context of what I've said about um, Eddie Howe a, he's done a far better job than I ever anticipated he would do B, he should be given all the credit for the job that he's done and C, are the Saudis ambitious and will Eddie Howe get them to the promised land? And if he's not going to get them to the promised land, then he's going to be a gatekeeper for someone that is. It's nothing disrespectful. It's over-sentimentalisation. 
of, of scenarios is silly. It's grown-up conversations. He is going to be someone that hands the baton over to someone else if he doesn't win the baubles. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Download, stand well back. Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Manchester United fans, if your memory stretches back, and I'm sure for many of you it does, with relish to 1999, you'll remember this moment from this man. Beckham into Sheringham. win a European Cup final more dramatically than this. They did, didn't they? That was a moment against Bayern Munich. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, forever, forever wrote his name into the history books of Manchester United. A legend and quite rightly so. There and then he won the European Cup for Manchester United in the new camp. Now, the same Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being spoken about this morning in Germany as the man that Bayern Munich may turn to on an interim basis albeit to replace Thomas Tuchel if Thomas Tuchel is to be sacked um, what do you, what's your take on that you've been none you've been none too complimentary about Ole in the past if it is on an interim basis to allow Xabi Alonso to get his hands on the job full time the man who's uh, setting the Bundesliga alight leading the way uh, in the Bundesliga with Bayern Leverkusen if it's to be Alonso in the long term is there anything wrong with Ole in the short? I guess there's a school of thought which suggests that for the period of time that he came in post Mourinho he re-established some of the morale which enabled United to make the unavoidable mistake of giving him a job 
for a longer period of time after the result they got against PSG. I think specifically where they got a game, they won a game, and everyone suddenly clamoured for right. Solskjaer to get the job. Yeah, and you know, and, and famous people came up and turned around and said, "Ollie's got the will," and all that sort of rubbish. Um, if you're looking at it from the point of view of why would Oli Gunnar Solskjaer want to do it? So basically, you're not really someone that anyone really wants to manage a team. You really want you to go in there and fix a problem for a few months while the real guy turns up. You're the tribute act. You're the warm-up band. And if that's what he's happy with, who am I to suggest he shouldn't be? Why he would be in the conversation, I can only imagine because they see him as a person that might give the morale of the club a lift if there's a need for that. I wouldn't imagine that was particularly what Harry Kane had signed for Bayern Munich for to be managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but who am I to say that they've got no logic to their thinking? I mean, Tuchel was being... I mean, isn't, isn't Thomas Tuchel the one that we were all waxing lyrical about? Isn't Thomas Tuchel the one that everyone was saying, what a dreadful mistake that Chelsea booted him out the door? Yeah. Isn't it, so this is yeah. the same Thomas Tuchel that's going to lose the, the, the Bayern Munich, the Bundesliga, for the first time in over a decade. Um, and you're going to bring Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in to replace him. I'm not sure what to make of that. No, but apparently Ole at the moment is currently employed as UEFA technical observer, attending Champions League games, providing reports throughout the What's season. What's that, scout? Um, well, pretty much so. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what it does. Bar, uh, a Baron Sporting Director, Christoph Frunt, knows him very, very well. Yeah. And that might be another link as to why. Maybe. He, I mean, so he's certainly active at the moment. I mean, you know, for a person that managed Man United and got a 54% win record, which, I mean, they could do it without him to get that kind of win record and then goes and manages Cardiff, and his one achievement... I'm, I've got a lot of Norwegian friends and I, when I was living in Spain, and they were all like, he's the luckiest Norwegian alive. No one can quite work out why he got the Man United job, how he got the Man United job, and how he maintains that job. I've got, he's a, from what I gather, he's a really nice fella, and I've got no issue with that, but we're not talking about his personality. I didn't say he was ugly. I'm talking about his football capabilities. I'm talking about the reasons why you'd bring a person of his achievements into the job and expect outcomes that are significant. If he's happy to go in and hold the ship and do a Ralph Raniak sort of role for three months and provide virtually zero intellectual capital but just make everyone laugh, then okay, I I'm sure. Kane. Come well, on. But what football now shall we be talking about? Yeah, but Simon, I mean, uh, goodness me. He's a manager. He, You're managing Bayern Munich. I, I genuinely He spent most of his ad adulthood at Manchester United working for the very and so best. Did, and so did Wayne Rooney, and he can't manage either. The point is, is that you look at it and go, I want the top jobs to go to the top guys. And I find football rewards mediocrity and I don't find it very comfortable. Maybe that's because I don't look at football with the same affection that I once looked at it when I was an owner. Mediocrity. Maybe, he got well, them to third and second in consecutive well, seasons. Fantastic. Again, you know, he didn't win anything with Man United and the standards of Man United dropped to such a level that he even had the audacity to suggest they didn't need to win things as part of one of his press conference sticks. I think that some of the scenarios at Man United, I put at his door, okay, at the Glazers' door for employing him. And I think that's probably the worst period of Man United where the most dissent and the most decline happened. And a couple of instances that you point to where they finished higher up the league and perhaps what might have been bang average leagues at that time are... Well, they lost a European trophy, but in penalties. I mean, so it hit the post on that and, one. And that's fine. And, I, and we can make a case. because I can see a place for him in the game, we, Simon. We've got a good... Yeah, so can I. And he's got it. He's a scout. Um, <laughs> but if you, we're suggesting that he is someone that should be managing supposed blue-chip football clubs. I find that difficult. Now, maybe I don't see him in an interview. Maybe he comes across far better than he does when I see him in the media and far better than his teams do. So if I'm looking at that, he doesn't come across great in the media when he's giving a post-match analysis. He doesn't come across great on the pitch. There must be something else he's got that gives him the credentials to be in a situation. Maybe it's just a very personable fellow that everybody likes.
Well, well, you can get those. They're called court jesters. You don't necessarily have to have them managing your team. That's not fair. Come on. Come on. I mean, Bayer Leverkusen continued to pull up trees and continue to lead the way, uh, of course, in the, the Bundesliga. Uh, much of everybody's surprised, to be mm. honest. They, they, they beat Heidenheim at the weekend 2-1. Yeah. Well, certainly Alonso has really made a name for himself this season. If it was, if it was all to finish now, uh, people would be saying to him, cheese, he is the man right now. So in the longer term, is it going to be a case of um, Liverpool getting in quicker than Bayern Munich for Xabi Alonso? Because it looks that way. Again, again if, if he is as good as people perceive him to be, I don't know how good they are, Leverkusen, and how bad Munich are this season. Um, so it's a difficult one to suggest. A swallow doesn't make a summer and one good season doesn't make a manager in the same way that one good season doesn't make Marcus Rashford a world-class player. Yeah, but Simon, what a season Bayer... Fantastic. Bayer Leverkusen but, are having. But they're, they're eight points two, ahead of Bayern. Again, well, we've seen it. What a season Steven Gerrard had when he got Rangers to win the SPFL. Yeah. And, everyone, and then he goes to Aston Villa and can't do it. So you've got to be careful when you're recruiting a manager. Now, Liverpool will do the due diligence. Obviously, Bayern Munich will be watching the manager and have played against his side, so they'll have an inside track on it. Sure. I'm not suggesting that he isn't all he's cracked up to be. I'm suggesting that it's early days in his management career and you take a risk with that. Um, and Liverpool, to me, given the nature of what Klopp has built, um, is a better fit for Alonso because of his historic relationship and because of the group of players that they've got there and possibly this sort of poor imitation of Bayern Munich that's representing itself at yeah. the moment in time. Yeah, Alonso played for Bayern as well. Remember that, and there again, there's, there's, there again, there's, there's another, there's another string to the bow. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I can't imagine who would win the race between Bayern and Liverpool. Both clubs have great luster. Both sure. clubs are, are part of what I consider to be the legacy football clubs of European and world football. So both of them in equal measure. For me, I'm biased because I'm English. I would always look at Liverpool and be more interested in the same way that I found it strange that Harry Kane would have gone to Bayern Munich and value a Bundesliga title that sure, he ain't going to sure. win his first season. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Manchester City won! Chelsea won! City have been piling the pressure on and eventually Rodri is the man with the equaliser. We're Man City. So we have to do it for ourselves all the time. And Haaland puts it in for two. He's done it again. The title race is hotter than it has been for a while. One third of the season remaining. They're not playing anywhere near their best. They're not free-flowing. They're not the team of last year. When Man City drop points, it opens the door. Brentford's 100th game in the Premier League ends in defeat. And Liverpool promise to keep you interested in this title race. So I'll do everything we can to see if we can improve uh, the performance on Tuesday night against probably the best team in the world. Tony! It had to be! Ivan Tony scores! Live on Talk Sport, your home of live football. Yes, yeah, a talk sport exclusive tonight. Manchester City against Brentford. Sam Matifee's on duty. Good for you, Sam. Looking forward to hearing you. And alongside him, uh, former Manchester City manager Stuart Pearce. Uh, we shall see what unfolds tonight at the Etihad. But now, Pep Guardiola has come out ahead of this, Simon, um, and has been speaking about Calvin Phillips. This doesn't really seem to go away. Of course, it goes back a long time, back to December 2022, when uh, Calvin Phillips came back from the World Cup and Pep decided to tell us that this player had come back to him somewhat out of shape. Just going back to Calvin Phillips, can you just clarify, please? If, he, if he's not injured... No, no, he's not injured. He arrived with the uh, overweight. Yeah, that's what I'm going to ask. So why is he overweight? I don't know. 
responsibility, is what you're saying. No, he, he didn't arrive in the condition to train in sessions and to play. Because the reason I ask, obviously, he's been away in the World Cup, he's been around physios, nutritionists. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, absolutely. That's why he cannot play. When he will be ready, he will play, but we need him. <laughs> we need him a lot. Is that a disappointment to you, surprise? It's private conversation with Cal. So his weight wasn't what it should be. It's a private conversation. Yeah. Pep just put it out there yeah. in the public domain. Calvin Phillips, of course, now at West Ham uh, and hasn't made the best of starts there. But anyway, leading up to this one, Manchester City-Brentford, of course, we all know that Calvin Phillips hardly got a kick at the ball uh, under Pep at Manchester City. And now Pep's kind of changed his tune in it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Once in years is not bad. But I'm so sorry. I apologise to him. I do apologise. So I'm sorry. And, and he says he didn't speak to you about that at all. Did you feel that you... Sorry? He, he said that he didn't uh, sort of clear the air with you over that. Did you feel that... Oh, no, I spoke about that, yeah. You spoke with him about it? Yeah, before I said to say, I spoke to him. Right. I never, never, before I said something here, I didn't speak with the teams, right. with the players in that case. Now, for Phillips, he, he's revealed in an interview with the Times that his confidence took a big knock after Pep publicly called him out over his weight. God's sakes. You're not having that. Oh, how clearly. can how can you really clearly? How can you really have that? If you're overweight, and I understand his explanation was he ate three meals on a flight back from New York. Well, they must have been some bloody big meals. <laughs> oh, hang on, because that, he, that was reported, but we don't know that well, for if, sure. If you well, if you put on what's he put? He's, he's three pounds overweight. You have to. It's three and a half thousand to four thousand calories to put on a pound. He must have been eating like God knows what, like something out of bloody Willy Wonka. He must have been swallowing chocolate like Augustus Gloop. The fact <laughs> of the matter is, he came back. Well, he did say he had three meals on the flight back from well, New York. Well, I just York. said that. There must be four thousand calories a meal. But it's I mean, could, he could have done nothing. But eat the entire seven hours. The point is, is that Pep showed irritation. I think in the interview, I don't think he needed to say what he said. I think it probably, but he probably showed irritation and frustration at why a new player coming into his fold would rock up overweight. And he probably thought, you know, hang on a second, you, you've got to earn my trust and earn a relationship with me. And the first experience I have with you, besides signing you, is for have you to come back in, and you're not fit. So, so he probably shouldn't have said it, Pep, because it wasn't necessary. But then the player shouldn't have been overweight and the player giving a ridiculous analysis of the reasons why. And then you've got his mother coming out or someone saying that his mother doesn't want to come to games. Why is this? Well, she joined forces with Harry Maguire's mother and Aaron Ramsdale's dad to get together to find you know, how they can all cry on one another's shoulders about grown men being told where their failings are. Well, apparently Pep's comments angered uh, the Phillips family. Oh, really? Uh, his mother attended fewer matches as a result. Because he weren't playing. That's what she, she became frustrated. <laughs> That's the reason why. She What's the point of going to that game? My son's not playing. Right. Okay. Well, well, let me look at the lineup. No, he's not out there. No. Um, but she Could became frustrated with, with Pep for going public with the news. Maybe Andy Townsend and Breakfast summed it up quite well this morning. I like the fact that his mum stopped going to games that's exactly right stand up for your boy <laughs> and if somebody said something or done something to him you should give them the elbow and shun them See, now, so well done Jeff, mum yeah. now there's that, that's listen mum mum's of course they're going to stand by their by yeah their it should kids. be heart for a boy you, you can appreciate that my mum would have told me to shift some weight mm, okay Different times. She would have done. No. She would have done. If, if all of a sudden someone's accusing me of, she'd have been the first person to say, do you know, I thought you put a bit of timber on. Mm -hmm. You need to get rid of it. That's, now I'm, I'm just telling you, that's what she would have done for me. She That's exactly what she would have said. Now, we are in a very different world and a very, very different time.
God, he's absolutely right. That was Andy Townsend. I mean, yeah, speaking a bit of censor at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that he's been called out for something he's done. Now, whether he should have been called out, maybe we should all get together and have a sympathy vote for what happened to, to Jeff Stelling's car and say that we should all be worried about what happened to Jeff one night. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is the guy with the kid was overweight. The manager called him out, and I don't know why we have to go through this nonsense yeah. of this ridiculous charade of going, and maybe it's to do with his mental health. Maybe it's because he put too many pies in his trap and he wasn't fit <laughs> and he should have been better at Manchester City, and this is the reasons why he hasn't got the opportunities. Mum not going to games because he's not playing. What was the point of her going anyway? This is coming from a man who I sat with at the World Cup in a, a supermarket one lunchtime and who, on his own, ate enough for a large Qatari family. Mate. Don't worry about that. I'm right. right now. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show when boxers Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall will be in the studio ahead of their much-anticipated rematch.